Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Uh, Today we're going to be covering Chapter 3 of Mysteries of Creation. The Birth of the Earth will be on pages uh, 27 through 35. Uh, Real quick update. Uh, Just got back from Sunstone Conference uh, 2023. And had a really great time with uh, a lot of people there. Enjoyed the discussions. Um, met people that uh, I've met before, but uh, just really enjoyed seeing them again. And I met, you know, new people this time too. Um, we stayed at the Hyatt in Sandy, or the Regency, or the Hyatt House, or something. I don't know. It was really nice. Uh, for four nights, I think, and uh, took my kids to Lagoon after, and just uh, had a little nice little family vacation. I go back to work tonight, so I thought I would do a program, at least one, you know, and uh, I don't know, just uh been doing a lot of stuff this summer and I'm thinking that things are about to slow down as far as doing things all the time although um, we did get an, uh, a season pass for the whole family for the amusement park that we go to called Lagoon and uh, we're going to have to do that a couple more times but uh, it was extremely hot when we went last time but luckily they have a water park Anyway, um, let's get right into the reading. Um, I'll dedicate with a prayer, um, which is something I used to do, and then I just stopped doing it. So, And then uh, we'll get into the reading. Oh God, the Eternal Father, we come to Thee in the name of Messiah. We ask Thee, Father, to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions, that we may have Thy Spirit to be with us, that we may learn of Thy ways and be led in Thy paths. We love Thee, Father, and we ask Thee to heal us of our infirmities that we may serve thee better that we may live a more full life that our minds would be made clear that we may hear thy word and the voice of thy spirit We ask for these blessings and we bless thee, Father, because of the greatness that thou art, because of the plan of salvation that thou hast brought forth, because of all that thou hast done for us from the infancy of intelligence until the point where we're at today that 
in your wisdom, you designed this plan that we may gain knowledge and experience through all of these trials and all of these blessed times. We are so thankful for thy thy great wisdom. We're so thankful that you took the time to design a plan and a way for us to grow and to learn as you grew and learned. And we know that your work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of mankind and to fill the universe with organized creation. And we personally thank thee, and I personally thank thee for all that thou hast shown me and all that thou hast given me. And I bless you in the name of Messiah. Amen. The Birth of the Earth, Chapter 3 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 681, Pages 27 through 35. Something out of nothing. How was our solar system created? Both scientists and religionists have expressed several different views. However, the scientists have probably made more accurate conclusion than most of the modern religionists. The prophet Joseph Smith explained why. You ask the learned doctors why they say the world was made out of nothing, and they will answer, doesn't the Bible say he created the world? And they infer from the word create that it must have been made out of nothing. Now the word create came from the word baru, baru, or baurau, I guess I don't know how to say that, which does not mean to create out of nothing. It means to organize. The same as a man would organize materials and build a ship. Hence, we infer that God has materials to organize the world out of chaos or chaotic matter, which is element and in which dwells all the glory. Element had an existence from the time he had. The pure principles of it, uh, element are principles which can never be destroyed. They may be organized and reorganized, but they cannot be destroyed. They had no beginning, and they can have no end. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 350 through 352. See also Doctrinal History of the Church, volume 6, page 309. Real quick, I gotta talk about something I've talked about before. If you listen to this program, you know that I've talked about this, but... So, before I ever ran across this quote, something like 20, over 20 years ago, um, 
I just, I had this overwhelming need to, oh, I've got an alarm clock going off in the background. Anyway, I had this overwhelming need to, like, try to, like, figure out God and where he came from and where the Big Bang came from and, like, where he was at before the Big Bang. And, like, I don't know why, but, like, I would truly try to wrap my head around this and I would think so hard about this. And I don't know how you think hard anymore. Like, I don't think this way anymore. But back then, I would really want to know. And I would just be, like, asking God where he was before the Big Bang. And trying to figure out, like, was he in the void of nothingness? And then he spoke everything into existence. And, and I thought of these things for many years and I kept asking God where were you before the Big Bang now the Big Bang's been disproven now um like with this new uh this new James Webb telescope that's like the Hubble telescope they've disproven the Big Bang there's no way that the Big Bang could happen the way they think it happened or at all like the universe is just too vast so anyway but back then that was a big thing you know and um i kept asking god where were you before the big bang and he does this sometimes with me where he will take me up in the spirit and like i'll just be doing something like i'll be seeing sitting on the couch and it happens randomly i do not control this but i'll be praying about something and just sitting there pondering and all of a sudden i am in the spirit like my body is wherever my body was left and i am in the spirit i like my spirit leaves my body and it's taken somewhere beyond my control like, I don't feel like I'm being kidnapped or anything, but it's very surprising. And, like, it's not scary, but it's surprising, like I said. And it, it's, like, very free. Like, I don't have all of the, the problems in the spirit I do in the body. No pain, no coughing, no headaches, no... Like, if when you're in the spirit, you'd be surprised how much pain your body's in all the time. Like, and my body's in pain anyway. But, like, just the body, it, I think we get numb to it or we block out the pain that we're in. But, like, when you're in the spirit, there's absolutely no pain. So, like, I guess... <clears throat> I guess to know how much pain you're in, you have to know what it's like to be completely not in pain. I guess. I, and that's... But in, anyway, that's kind of a tangent. But anyway, so... Um, so I'm caught up. And I'm taken to this place. And I'm standing next to Heavenly Father. Well, just to clarify, I'm standing next to Michael. Who is our Heavenly Father, Michael the Archangel. And he says, look, and I looked and I saw this 
this cloud of light and we're in space we're like not even in the solar system we're so far away that like we're somewhere else i don't even know okay i don't even know i've never seen pictures of this place on any of those hubble telescope things whatever but we're way far away and there's this massive cloud of light that's like light years across yeah i said it light years across it's huge and we came down into this cloud of light and there were these orbs of light within the cloud and these orbs of light our father in heaven told me were this is the intelligence and he pointed to one he said look and i looked at it and it it there was a flash of light and then where there was once one intelligence there were two and they were they were white pure white brilliant light these orbs and there were two intelligences and the father explained to me that this is the beginning of a spirit and that when a spirit becomes self-aware that that it uh the the feminine and the masculine uh the feminine and the masculine energy separate and you've got a male and a female spirit and he explained to me that the intelligence is eternal but the spirit from which the intelligence comes is uh it's it's not eternal it is um he explained to me that when you um seal the the masculine and the feminine back together you actually bring them back together and they become um eternal again like they were before the intelligence split and became two spirits but now you have self-aware spirits but the whole point of me talking about this particular vision that god brought me up and i don't I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a vision. It was out of the body. Whatever that's called. Anyway, but um, the whole point of this was that God told me that that the elements were self or the the elements were eternal. That the energy energy is eternal. That the intelligence is eternal that all of these things are eternal and later on when i came across this quote in the teachings of the prophet joseph smith i already knew it because god showed it to me and he did that to me a lot uh, throughout the years he would reveal something to me and then in my studies and it might be a month or two later and it might be a week and it might be a couple days, but a few days later or whatever it was, I'd come across it. And it was kind of like he would tell me and then I would find somebody else who had talked about it, especially Joseph Smith. And it was just kind of the way of the way things went for a long time. And it was like he confirmed it with what had been written. But he taught it to me first, spiritually. 
so um, that helped me not reject some of the stuff, you know, um, and it helped me to. I was, I was being built upon a rock of revelation. They were, they were molding me and um, giving me the information that I needed to eventually share these things on these these programs that I do. So anyway. Um, and I don't know why, but I'm having a little bit of a hard time reading today and my mouth is not working quite the way I want it to work. So if I'm stumbling over these words, it's just, uh, par for the course, I guess. Anyway, the apostle Orson Pratt, who was both scientist and religionist declared, quote, There is not a hint in all the Bible that God created this or any other world out of nothing. The work of creation was to take the materials that existed from all eternity that never were created or made out of nothing to take these self-existing materials and organize them into a world. This is called creation. Orson Pratt, Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 315. I just have to say real quick, we're on t- uh, page 28 for those of you who are reading along. And by the way, um, there will be links in the description of this podcast where you can go read the text for yourself and read along with us. But this just reminds me of this this strange... I don't know what you call it. People would be like, well, where did the dinosaurs come from? Where did the dinosaurs come from? And then somebody, sometime, somewhere, they were like, well, the dinosaurs were bones that God brought in the dirt of another earth. And you know what? Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But I kind of think I do. Because I think that people that that try to say that um, the dinosaurs were... Um, you know, this earth was organized by many different, um, planets and that the dirt or whatever that came from those other planets is where the bones came from. I think somebody just made something up and it sounded good. And now it's like not official church doctrine, but it's kind of like a lot of people say it. Um, are you aware that there's soft dinosaur tissue being discovered up in Montana. That um, there's bone marrow that's still soft that should have. And bone marrow, it's not like one of those dense things that like that sticks around forever and becomes fossilized. Like this isn't even fossilized. It's like three or four thousand years old. And it's like, I think it's a triceratops on the one I, the particular one I'm thinking of, but it doesn't matter. Like, you have been sold a bill of goods. Things are not the way that, that, they, that, that uh, the government institutions want you to think it is. And the scientists and everything, it's like the whole world is full of darkness. And I know that's, that's weird, you know, but... It, we were raised in a pack of lies by a pack of liars, (laughs) you know? When I drive through Indian Canyon, I see all of these rock layers 
Now, Indian Canyon is is 9,114 feet tall at the, the highest point of the road, of the actual road that I'm on. So I'm going down one side or the other, and the way I figured mountains were created way back in the day was that, like, Earth was pushed up from underneath because of the mantle and because of these fault lines and whatnot. And I know that there's fault lines, but a lot of the sediment, the the layers in the dirt in the mountain, they're all level. If it was being pushed up from beneath, there wouldn't be a level, there wouldn't be these level layers in in the side of the mountain in the in the rock wall. Now I can go south of where I live in Emory County, Utah, and go down to I-70, and I can see some really f- strange formations where the rock actually, you can tell it was pushed up, and that does happen. There's no doubt. But the majority of the la- layers in in rock and sediment, their level. Uh, even if they're, um, you know, up in a mountain. And what I believe happened was that um, that this earth was uh, surrounded by a canopy of water in the beginning and that there was a lot of water in the inside of the earth and the water on the outside of the earth, it kind of protected the people who are on the inside of the earth, uh, on the surface, on the inside of the water atmosphere, from um, harmful radiations that would cause them to die quicker. That's why they were able to live for so long. And that when God caused the waters below to come up and the waters from above to come down, um, the waters below created such a mud a stirring up of, of the, the the mud and dirt of the earth in the water that over the course um, where the water was able to drain down into the places where where the water is now which would be the oceans um, you had these the sediments settling, and creating these layers in the mountains and stuff that we see today. And certain sediment settled in certain areas more than other areas. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong about all of that, but um, I don't believe that the dinosaurs were are as ancient as what they're trying to say. And I don't believe that the earth is as old as they say. And I don't believe in their carbon dating methods because there has to be a ton of assumptions in order for them to get those numbers. And they allow the assumptions because they want people to believe the narrative that is the lie over the narrative that is God's word. 
So don't trust God's word because we have these scientific methods. And we're going to lie to you about those methods so that you think that God is lying to you through his word. I think that's what's going on here. And uh, and it's leading a lot of people astray. You know, but the way to eternal life is a very narrow path. And you can lead people astray through those lies. Or you can lead people astray through the lies of false doctrine. Um, or you can lead people astray in, uh, in other ways as well. Through sin and through temptation and whatnot. And... Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, this is this whole world is for the experiences that we gain, but also that that we might eventually obtain a higher level of resurrection and get to the point where we are able to pass through the straight and narrow gate. But that's not for everybody. And it's not bad that everybody goes, uh, that that few people do this thing, you know, where they come into, um, into the straight and narrow uh, gate. This life is for experience. This life is to gain knowledge, to have relationships. We exist eternally. Um, well... The spirit exists for a very, very, very long time. And if it is not sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, man to the woman, woman to the man, it will cease to exist at some point. But even that is extremely long periods of time. But we do have the opportunity to exist eternally. And, well, what are we going to do in this time? We're going to live lives. We're going to experience things on an earth. We're going to exist in the spirit with our families and our friends. We're going to meet new people. We're going to be put on new earths. We're going to learn and grow in classes. Uh, spiritual classes before an earth is is organized to the point where we're put on it. We're going to assist in being uh, ministering spirits who assist as representatives of the Holy Ghost to help others uh, know truth or be warned of things and dangers. And there's so much that in our existence, like. Our existence from the, from from the time when we were intelligence and we became self-aware until now. A lot of people, when they think of their lives, they think of one short twenty or thirty or forty-year period, or even eighty or ninety or a hundred-year period. My grandma was almost 97 when she died a couple years ago. And her life was full 
But in the gist of things, it was short. And she is in the spirit now, and she will have a body again. And eventually she will live on a new earth. It's spoken of in the book of of Revelations that was seen by John. And on that earth she will have experiences and she will have family and friends. And she will learn. And it will continue to go on in different ways. in different experiences throughout the eternities. Anyway, I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but for some reason I felt like I needed to to share that. But here we go again with the reading. President Brigham Young also agreed, if I were a sectarian, I would say according to their philosophy, as I have heard many of them say hundreds of times, God created all things out of nothing. In six days, he created the world out of nothing. You may be assured the Latter-day Saints do not believe any such thing. They believe God brought forth material out of which he formed this little terra firma upon which we now roam. How long had this material been in existence? forever and ever in some shape in some condition we need not refer at all to those who were with God and who assisted him in this work Journal of Discourses volume 18 page 232 see I believe that Joseph Smith was shown the same thing that I've been taught and that um Joseph Smith taught it to others, just as I'm teaching it to you. And that's where Brigham Young understood these things, because he was taught them by the prophet. So, um, but maybe, maybe Brigham Young had a dream about it. I don't know. He doesn't say, he speaks the knowledge, but we don't know how he got the knowledge. Anyway. Astronomers and cosmologists speculate and most agree that some super-dense primordial matter exploded with incredible force, flinging these fragments into space, which eventually cooled and formed these huge bodies that we observe. This formation of planets caused them to be born in a rather speedy fashion, which has been called the Big Bang Theory. Certainly this is more reasonable from information gathered than the idea that planets were formed by a gradual shifting in space sand or that they were created out of nothing. Although most of the ministers of the world believe that the world was created out of nothing, scientists and and reason itself dictate that it must be otherwise. Dr. John A. Witso, a noted LDS scientist, explains, quote, The earth was made from materials found in the universe, which by the intelligent power of God 
who are collected and organized into the earth. The earth was not made from nothing, nor by the fiat of God, except his, as his will and words determined that the work should be undertaken. End quote. And that was John A. Witso, uh, Rational Theology, page 49. The Apostle, Por, uh, the Apostle Parley Pratt also expressed similar views. Quote, intermingled with this space, there exists all the varieties of the elements, properties, or things which intelligence takes cognizant. Which elements or things taken altogether compose what is called the universe. The elements of all these properties or things are eternal, uncreated, self-existing. Not one particle can be added to them by creative power. Neither can one particle be diminished or annihilated. Key to Theology by, uh, by or, um, Parley P. Pratt, or maybe that was Orson Pratt. I think it was Parley P. Pratt. Anyway, page 49 and 50. These expressions are ideolo- ideologies that probably stem from the prophet Joseph Smith, who had previously taught them in the translation without form and void. It should be read empty and desolate. The word create should be formed or organized. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. This hypothesis coincides with the old Hebrew idea of creation. Creation, the bringing into existence of the world by the act of God. The etymological meaning of the verb, however, is to cut down, cut down, I'm sorry, is to cut out and put into shape and thus presupposes the use of material. Whatever may be the nature of the traditions in Genesis and however strong may be the presumption that they suggest the existence of an original substance which was reshaped in accordance with the deity's purpose. For the genesis of anything, Philo, or Philo says many things must combine, cause, material, instrument, and purpose. God is the cause of the cosmos, while our four elements are the material. Nothing suggests that he regarded this material as other than uncreated. And let me just say that we're on page 30 at this point. It was there when God arranged the new order of things. It was not matter, but formed that God praised as good and acknowledged thus as his creative work. Anyway, that's from the Jewish Encyclopedia, volume 4, page 336. Hence, the planets and the suns were organized or brought together rather than suddenly popping into existence, as many modern preachers would have us believe.
So how were the elements actually brought together to form the Earth and other planets in our solar system? How was the Earth born? Big Bang Theory? Is it reasonable to conclude then that the Earth and Sun were wisely organized, planned and brought into their orbits and attitudes by an all-wise creator? His method of creating them, however, leaves some question. The formation of this earth might have been a gathering of the elements or it could have been a fragment that came from a larger body of matter. Some astronomers contend that there was a super dense primordial piece of matter that exploded with an incredible force, flinging matter which eventually cooled and formed many of the heavenly planets which we observe rotating around the sun. This formation or creation of planets is reason to believe that they were born in a sudden expulsion which has come to be called the Big Bang Theory. The Earth was formed and placed in space through the fireworks of a supernova. Speaking of fragment fragment creation, B.H. Roberts wrote, quote, and we're on page 31, by the way, if you're reading along. B.H. Roberts quoted, The prophet Joseph Smith is credited with having said, that our planet was made up of the fragments of a planet which previously existed. Then came the mighty convulsions, which for some cause or other, or doubtless for some wise purpose, disrupted that planet, and when from from its fragments a new world our present planet was brought into existence. It was made with, it was made the abode of man as described by the second account of the creation of, in Genesis, which begins by placing man upon the earth and when the inferior anim, and then the inferior animals. And that comes from contributor volume 10, page two hundred and. 65 and 266. So the idea that our planet was born from another larger one and probably the result of some type of explosion seems to be the most logical and accepted explanation among the LDS authorities. The time, place, and reason... The prophet's brother, William Smith, wrote to W.W. Feltz and mentioned that our part of the solar system was determined to have had a particular age as established by Abraham and Joseph in Egypt. The prophet Joseph translated something that established this age, quote, and that eternity, agreeably to the records found in the catacombs of Egypt, has been going on in this system, not this world, almost 2,555 millions of years. End quote, Times and Seasons, Volume 5, page 758. Thus, the age of this solar system was determined anciently to be about two 
and a half billion years old. Some of the leading scientists of today coincidentally have made similar observations of up to four billion years. This determination is based upon <clears throat> this determination is based upon its organization, not its origin because the elements of this earth are eternal in nature and therefore did not have a beginning. As previously mentioned, something cannot be created out of nothing. We're on page 32 in the book, and we're at 71% through the reading. Orson Pratt made the observation that when I speak of the beginning, I have reference to the beginning of the earth in its present organization. I do not have reference to the beginning of duration, for it had no beginning. Journal of Discourses, volume 21, page 323. And again, as the elements of all worlds were, cre uh, were not created, but are eternal, and as they have always been the tabernacle or dwelling place of God, they must have eternally been acted upon by by his spirit. Consequently, they must have passed through an endless series of operations without beginning. Instead of seeking to trace our evidences of our beginning to the elements, we shall at once pronounce them eternal. And quote the seer, page 248 and 249. B.H. Roberts gave some additional information on the time and method involved in the Earth's creation. Quote, the theory set forth in this paper that before Adam was placed upon this Earth to people it, with his offspring, the matter of which is composed existed in another in another planet by which are which by some mighty convulsions were bro was broken up and from its ruins was formed our present earth at once affords a m means of harmonizing those facts established by the researches of men and the facts of revelation. If scientists claim that myriads of years or centuries must have been necessary for the formation of the earth's crust, it may be allowed by the believers in revelation for there is nothing that would contradict that idea, that idea in the revelations of God on the subject. And that was from the contributor volume 10 page 266. So, People say that um, Joseph Smith said that this earth was created from the matter of an older earth. And I could be wrong. And, like, you know, contact me on Facebook and Messenger. Um, you know, if you want to correct me, I guess. Um and by the way, my um, my Facebook is uh, uh, I can't remember facebook.com forward slash 
L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, I think. But um, find a way to contact me and like share with me if there's a direct quote from Joseph Smith on this subject. Because I don't think there is. One of the things that my wife was talking about when we were at Sunstone is all of these people and all of these quotes, they're all like second and third hand quotes. Like there's not a lot from the actual prophet Joseph Smith, but there's a ton of second and third hand quotes. And like, I don't believe all of them. You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm going off on another tangent, but... You know, some guy on the prairie wants to make a name for himself. You know, he says, oh, yeah, once Joseph Smith and I were talking because, you know, Joseph Smith and I were best buddies. You know, he's Joseph's dead now. This is long years have gone by. Many years ago, Joseph Smith and I were talking and he pointed to the star over yonder beyond the Cyrus star cyrus to the star that twinkles in the night sky to the left of the right of the center of the whatever <laughs> and he told me that's the word that's the star where kolob is or some crap you know like and you know not every quote that's second and third hand is like that but you know there are some that are exactly like that I don't know if I believe them. I think bored people who want to make themselves feel better make up crap and then they say, oh yeah, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith told me this. And like, I guess I'm a doubting Thomas in a way, but this isn't Jesus and this is not the resurrection. This is... Somebody saying, oh, you know, this is like the telephone game. Joseph Smith said, I remember Joseph Smith said, or so-and-so told me that so-and-so told me that Joseph Smith said. And I'm like, you know, God didn't show me the creation of this earth. I have no idea how it was created. And neither do you, unless you've seen it. And these people that run around and make up, or or they just rehearse some story that somebody else made up, that it does no good. You can say, well, I believe that this is possibly a thing, and that's fine. But don't act as if it was church doctrine and it came from the mouth of Joseph Smith. And even if it did, Joseph Smith can still speculate and be wrong because a prophet is only a prophet when he is speaking as a prophet. And God can show him many things. And you know what? God has shown me many things. And sometimes I get it wrong. And I have to go back and be like, is this what I saw? Or is this what how I should interpret what you, you're telling me? And there has to be some clarification. Because we're my, we are mortal beings in a in a 
<laughs> you know, a meat skeleton or a meat spaceship. <laughs> I call them earth ships. Like this body that I am operating right now, this is this is the vessel from which my spirit operates in this physical world. It's not who I am. It's a machine. It's very delicate. <laughs> I shouldn't say that as a man. But, you know, life is, is fragile. And this machine, it is worn out. And it will die eventually. And it uh, it's... Um, you know, the spirit um, controls the flesh. And sometimes the flesh hears and interprets things wrong. You know, when, when um, I thought for many years that Joseph Smith was God the witness. Even though it says that... Um, you know, during the life of Joseph Smith, that God the Witness did not, or the Holy Ghost did not have uh, a physical body, and Joseph Smith did. I don't know why. Like, I could sit there and believe that Joseph Smith was God the Witness or the Holy Ghost come in the flesh when Jesus is saying, you know, at that day and age, uh, hey, the Holy Ghost doesn't have a body at this point, you know. And Joseph Smith even taught from the lecture at the Grove, the Holy Ghost is a spirit. But there were some things that I took out of context where Joseph Smith said the Holy Ghost is in a state of probation, which if he, sh if he should perform in righteousness, um, he should come to do the same or similar things that, that Jesus did. Well, I assumed that probation meant mortal probation until I was corrected. When we are given a choice between one or the other, or between good and evil, evil especially, we are in a state of probation to see whether or not we're going to advance to the next estate. So when we are in the spirit form before this earth, before we came into mortality, we were in the first estate or the first probation. We made specific decisions and we were placed in bodies on this earth. Now we could have been become uh, demons because demons are just fallen spirits who made wrong decisions. But we were in a state of probation and then we became mortal beings on the earth, in the flesh. And so when Joseph Smith said that the Holy Ghost is in a state of probation, I just automatically assumed that that meant a mortal probation, and it did not. And that would have contradicted DNC section 130 and the lecture at the Grove, which was the last topic.
talk that Joseph Smith spoke. The last sermon he gave. But for some reason I believed it anyway. And I believed it all the way up until God revealed it to me. And it's kind of funny because God kept telling me, um, whispering to me, as he does, who I am. And I didn't want to accept it. And I rejected it and I ignored it and I... I even went so far as to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, looking back hindsight, it wasn't Satan trying to say it. It was just God trying to whisper to my mind who I was. He even went so far as to tell my aunt, who I used to speak to on a daily basis about spiritual things, who I am. And she told me, you are the one mighty and strong. You are the second witness of the Father. And I'd be like, well, I don't know about all that. (laughs) You know, because I know my history. I know my past. I know my weaknesses. There's no way in the world God would choose me to be that person. And that's what I thought all the way up until January of 2013. When God came to me and he said, kneel before me and ask me who you are. And he showed me. And I'm not going to get into the details of that that account. But after he showed me everything and he, show, he showed me that I was chosen from among they who are mighty and strong to stand as the witness of the Father and the Son. Like, I saw all of this, and I saw myself sitting or standing in front of that that position of authority, in front of that throne. And I'm looking at it, and with just my jaw dropped, and it took me a minute, but then it occurred to me I was chosen to be the witness. Which, by the way, explains why I've seen the Father and the Son in the flesh face to face and embrace them in the flesh, just for one. Not even Joseph Smith had that happen to him. But I looked at the Father and I was like, am I the witness? And he just looked at me with this smile on his face. And he said, well, it has to be somebody. And I was just like, why? How is it possible? You know, just. We in the flesh, sometimes we need to get kicked in the teeth before we wake up. (laughs) Maybe that was the wrong metaphor. Slapped in the back of the head, punched in the arm. Like we're in a dazed and confused state of being. And we've got many false traditions and many false beliefs and ideas. And like we will hold on to them even if we're shown evidence that that we're wrong. And, And like it's hard for somebody to let go of something that they believed. 
And maybe that's that strong delusion that's spoken of in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says that they, all they who believe the lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth. And I say they didn't love the truth enough to go to God to get it. Or maybe they only loved the truth that man gave them. And they couldn't let go of the lie because it's not true. Joseph Smith is not God the witness. It just contradicts so many things. But so many people, in despite belief, uh, despite all of that other evidence, they believe that Joseph Smith is the witness. Anyway, I know I've been going on these little tangents here, and I'm actually at page 33, and we're at 84%, so Brigham Young also added some insight as to the place of this Earth's creation. When the Earth was framed and brought into existence, and man was placed upon it, it was near the throne of our Father in Heaven. But when men fell, the earth fell into space and and took up its abode in this planetary system, and the sun became our light. This is the glory that the earth came from, and when it is glorified, it will return again into the presence of the Father, and it will dwell there, and these intelligence, intelligent beings that I am looking at, if they if they live worthy of it, will dwell upon this earth. We shall not be idle. We shall go for, I'm sorry, we shall go on from one step to another. That's multiple mortal probations he's talking about right there. Reaching forth into the eternities until we become like the gods or like the Elohim and shall be able to frame for ourselves by the behest and command of the Almighty all of those who are counted worthy to be exalted and become gods, even the sons of God, will go forth and have earths and worlds like those who framed this and millions upon millions of others. Journal of Discourses, Volume 17, page 143. Now, that's interesting because, uh, okay, well, two things. God the Eternal is the God he's speaking of, not our God, not Jehovah, our Elohim, not Michael the Archangel, not Jesus Christ. He's speaking of God the Eternal, okay? Second, um... Brigham Young was president of the church for longer than any other president of the church, period. Not even close. And the current membership of the church, our leadership of the church, going back through current times, like I'm talking, I don't know, back, going back to Kimball at least, but I think even more, it's just, I, I was alive when Kimball I was born when Kimball was the prophet, so I'll just go back to him. And they all say the president of the church can never lead the church astray. Or and they've even I've even heard them say the the apostles of the church 
we'll not lead the church astray. Okay, well, that one's fine. But let's just stick with uh, the president of the church, right? The prophet. The current leadership of the church now says that we don't get our own planets. You know, because they're like, oh, that sounds culty. So let's let's say that we don't get our own planets, even though I've heard so many people talk about back in the, the 80s, like they used to talk about this all the time. If you're really good and you're exalted, you'll get your own planet. Whatever, right? I've heard this a lot. But now the leadership of the church is like, uh, <laughs> hit the brakes, full stop. Uh, nobody gets their own planet. I don't even know where this comes from. We never taught that ever, ever, ever. Well, I just read you where Brigham Young taught it. Well, Brigham Young was wrong, but I thought you said that the president or prophet of the church cannot lead the church astray. Well, he's misquoting. No, he's not. You make all kinds of excuses up. And I'm talking to the church leadership right now. You want to make all kinds of excuses up to make your crap fit so that you can can uh, make the church into more of a mainstream Christian denomination so you can become popular with the world, even though the scripture says that... Uh, that that basically to be friends with the world is to be in opposition with God. You will change the ordinances and the endowments and the doctrines to become more popular with the world. And the God of this world is Satan. And you know what? That's the God that you're following when you do such things. This was the restoration and you've turned it back into the apostasy and you will be held accountable for what you have done so suck up all the love you get because you become popular with the world and because the masses follow you because the moment you die All of that love that you felt from the ignorant masses will be gone. And you will be in full judgment for what you have done. Changing the endowment, the ordinances, the anointings, changing the doctrine, the gospel, the words in scripture. Saying that uh, Brigham Young led the church astray while taking for yourself the the saying that we can never do such a thing. Oh, but he did. Where does the line stop? You cause people to trust in your flesh, leaders of the church, instead of teaching them to go to God to get revelation for themselves. If you were in condemnation in 1832 as a people for for what for treating the things of God lightly back then you are so much more in condemnation today 
and it is it any wonder that um, that Peter saw a vision and also in the Doctrine and Covenants it said that the, the destruction would begin at the house of the Lord it's because you had so much knowledge that you're judged greater for what you have rejected Anyway, continuing on, we're at 93%. I need to get done with this because I hear people walking around upstairs, so I'm losing time. And I do have my daughter, Amberly sitting here trying not to cough. Amberly, say hi. Hi. Say hi louder. What, what? Say hi louder. Hi. She has a little bit of a cough, so she's trying not to cough in the background. But anyway, and John Taylor agreed when there when he said the seriously, Amberly. Okay, go get a drink so that you don't cough. Like, ugh. anyway, one of the things that's nice about recording is I know when I'm gonna cough, so I just push mute. But I don't know when she's gonna cough. So I can't just push mute, you know. Anyway. And John Taylor agreed when he said the earth had fled and fallen from where it was organized near the planet Kolob. And that comes from the Mormon, August 29th, 1857. And maybe that was a magazine or something. I don't know. I've never heard that one. But but even if John Taylor said it, it doesn't mean it's true. I mean, it could be true, but I think that the LDS people, they think, oh, because the prophet or president of the church or some apostle said it, that it must be true. That's that's tra- placing your trust in the, the arm of flesh. We are allowed to speculate. And this this actually drove my, my first wife insane. Her great uncle was President Hinckley. And um, we used to go to church with him at the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. And I really enjoyed it. But, um, like, my hair would touch the collar of my white shirt. And she'd be like, oh, that's the president of the church said that we're not allowed to do that. And then she had a problem with the fact that I had tattoos. I had tattoos before I met her. Before I converted to the church, I I got tattoos like in 96 before I met the missionaries. Okay. (laughs) And then I convert and now I've got tattoos for life and I'm also a member of the, uh, I was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and like, she comes from Mormon hierarchy, royalty or whatever. And like she loves me, but like she can't stand some things about me because of how other people think. You know, oh, I'm I was a truck driver back then and uh and nobody's going to pre uh, like respect me if I'm a truck driver, so I've got to get a job uh I got to go to college to get a job. (laughs) Now, I think it's kind of funny, and I'm going to say something about my finances I don't usually talk about. If I would have went to college to become a counselor, what am I going to make, like $30,000, $40,000 a year? 
I was already making that as a truck driver. I didn't need to go to college to make that kind of money. Between my wife and I, in April, we made almost $14,000 in one month. I'm a truck driver. My wife's a school teacher. But somehow, because I'm a truck driver, I'm not um, as respected as somebody who went to college so I could get a job making $30,000 a year. Oh, and by the way, to, to the one individual who does pay tithing, this is why I tell you I don't need your money. But I understand that God has told you to pay your tithing to me, and I accept that, if that's what he told you to do. I just wish that I could... I don't know. Uh, the, the individual who says that says that um, God told him to, pay, uh, to send his tithing, and it's not that much, you know, but it's a huge amount for him. You know, so by the way, um, I make that uh, that kind of money during the times in the year when it's not snowing and uh, it snows up into May. Sometimes April and May is where I can start really, you know, not having to deal with issues, but uh, with the snow. But but yeah, I don't need people's money. But she thought that, um, my first wife thought that, you know, that I I wasn't good enough, or I was, um, that I was some kind of lesser because I was a truck driver. I I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, I, I don't even know why I get into these stupid tangents. Maybe this is why nobody cares for my radio programs. I, I read... I don't read well. Um, it's not exciting. I've got this boring music in the background, which I think is very relaxing and I enjoy it, but other people might think it's boring. You know, I don't interview people. I read and I talk about my own experiences. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like an online journal that can be erased at any any moment, you know. <laughs> Like my first uh, 490 episodes were completely hacked and erased when I did the Kingdom of God or Nothing. Thank you for covering your mouth, Amberly. <laughs> anyway, but whatever. I, I don't know. Anyway, we're at 94%. And as to why the earth was created, one concise answer is given by Nephi in the Book of Mormon. Quote, The Lord hath created the earth that it should be inhabited, and he hath created his children that they should possess it. 1 Nephi chapter 17 verse 36. 
So by now we should have a better understanding of how, when, where, and why this earth was created. Now the question arises, who created it? Page 34, 98%. And when, and they went down at the beginning and they, that is the gods or the Elohim, the mighty ones, organized and formed the heavens and the earth. Abraham chapter 4, verse 1. Anyway, so the next chapter that we'll be covering is uh, chapter 4, who is the creator, and that'll start on page 35. So anyway, um, I wish that my podcast was more exciting and that it, it got more attention for more people, but I think in a world where people are so um, short, have such short attention spans, like my long format stuff is just like something that's not ever going to be popular. Um, but there are those of you who do enjoy it, so I'm glad that you could at least learn from this, even if you don't believe I am who I say I am even if you don't um, accept my witness at least you're learning you know and uh, I'm grateful for the people who dig into things and want to learn and um, I'm I appreciate those who are here listening to this podcast So anyway, um, we will wrap it up at this point and, um, just thank you for listening and take care everyone. God bless and goodbye.